0: Before I begin, I want to do a bit of an introduction for this series and just a bit of a thought. Who here likes a challenging word? Challenging sermon. I was speaking to a young brother in the Lord recently who said he did. Never is there, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are we going to be challenged more than reading through the gospel of Jesus and learning about his life. And why why do I say that? What what, what do I have to back that up? Well, let me just say, share with you a couple of statements that Jesus made. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. And here's another one. Students are to be like their teacher and slaves are to be like their master. go to the next slide thanks when we read the word of God and we haven't seen or experienced before what we are reading it can raise questions we can ignore it it can be explained away it can be set aside as too difficult or not relevant however if we stay in the word like this statement encourages it can change us it can change our theology it can change our thinking and most importantly I think we can experience more of the living word because God's word is powerful it is alive and we read it as sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Holy Spirit, he wants to breathe on the word and make it alive for us. So my encouragement as we go through this series is that we open our hearts, we open our minds, and we be open to being taught by Jesus we'd be open to be learning from not only Jesus, but we're going to be hearing about people who had faith in him. And it's going to be challenging. It's going to challenge us. And, but if we allow that, to, that challenge, to we take on that challenge, <laughs> if you like, and meditate on the word and say, I'm, I'm willing to learn something here. I'm willing to be taught then I think we'll get lots, of, lots out of this series. I really do. So, that's my introduction. Now let's get into the focus of today's sermon. There's sort of like six stories or six parts, if you like, to this passage that Vicky's shared with us t- this morning. And I want to focus on three of these today. And if we get time, we'll focus on the other three, but we probably won't. So... <laughs> first one is Jesus casts out an unclean spirit the second one is Jesus cleanses a leper and the third story is Jesus heals a paralytic so let's jump into the first one thanks Dennis Jesus casts out an unclean spirit now I'm not going to read through this passage again so um, I'm going to be basically just diving into my thoughts straight away so when you get home you can read through the passage again for context if you like but first of all what I want to say is that um, what what we saw in this story is that Jesus' presence in the synagogue stirred up this unclean spirit, this evil spirit and what was happening here was presence of God the Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus and we read about him coming out in power out of the uh, wilderness after he was tempted by the devil 40 days this presence this power this Holy Spirit that was upon him caused this reaction in this man he was had an evil spirit in him and the Holy Spirit can stir up these spirits in evil spirits in people and and cause a reaction And that's what we saw in this story. Um, I've been out evangelizing and I know of other people and you can walk past someone who's oppressed by the demonic and they'll start getting really angry at you and swearing and carrying on. This is is what happens when the presence of God in you is affecting what's in them, which is not godly. We learn from this story that demons can speak through people. Notice that the demon spirits refer to themselves as us in other words demons generally come in groups They're not generally singular by themselves Um, When I was in my early 20s. I was Seeking truth about the spiritual realm and uh, Evil spirits and just trying to learn more about How they worked and what it was all about Um, and I had a, a testimony relayed to me by a good friend who now a christian friend his name 's john he, he lives in Victoria, and he relayed to me a story, a recent story of a good friend of his and also a friend of mine that we 'd both grown up with together and he 'd delivered him from and been from uh, some demons and it was very intense uh, He shared with me quite graphically the story. Um, and in this occasion, he did actually um, talk with the, the, the demons and asked them where they, how they came into him. Um, and just, if you're interested, it was actually love of money. But anyway, what this ma- young man, he was only 20-something years old, he'd suffered for quite a while with breathing difficulties, he had pains that would move around his body, um, he had back issues, and he was a young, fit, healthy bloke and no doctors could explain why he was sick and why he was experiencing these things so they couldn't medical science could not explain it basically anyway he encouraged his friend to travel to him in victoria and they prayed together and he was set free praise god and delivered and all the pain left him but i guess what wanted what I was why i shared that story is that yeah sometimes demons can talk through people But it's probably not typical when um, people are being delivered from demonic. Um, And in fact, Jesus, in most occasions, he rebuked the demons and told them not to speak. But um, I think they were just trying, um, yeah, they were trying to make his presence and who he was aware to people, and he didn't want that, so he told them to be quiet. Um, The other things we learn about this passage is that the demons feared Jesus. They were actually quite annoyed that he was um, so-called interfering with them. And they said, oh, are you going to destroy us? And so we know from that, their response, their reaction, that they're they're actually condemned. So all demonic spirits are condemned to to the lake of fire. They're going to be destroyed. But they have this short period where they can wander and roam the earth looking for places to inhabit, people to inhabit and it's in effect if you like a criminal that's been sentenced and charged but not yet have the punishment okay so just think about it like that Um, and they knew who Jesus was so evil spirits they are in the spiritual realm obviously as being spirits and they have inside information so they know a lot of things um, that you and I wouldn't know about other people like emotions, like your experience all these sorts of things Um, but we won't go too deep into that so um, what I want to now move on to is the authority of Christ Jesus and, and the authority he's given us as believers and followers in him in verse 21 and 22 We read that the the scribes were struck by the way he taught. He spoke with authority. It was different to how the religious leaders of the day were speaking. He spoke as someone who was in charge. He had credentials, he had experience, he knew and practiced and had mastery over what he was talking about. It wasn't just rote learning about a law like the scribes. It was completely different. Now I want to share with you a practical example of authority in today's world to give you an understanding of our position in Christ and also and and Jesus position and his authority to help you understand these principles and we're only going to touch on these very briefly today but hopefully this example will help you Now who here has done a home renovation or built a house? There'd be obviously a few people here Yep, cool So. Uh, for all the builders out there, um, Richard, um, Daryl and others, tradies, they will know that to build a house or to do a renovation, you first have to get approval from the council to do that, don't you? You have The builder generally has to be licensed. They have to be permitted to do the work. Now, in this scenario, well, in, and, and in... General in the spiritual realm jesus is the one building his kingdom it's his kingdom that's being established on earth okay and he's also the one at the council issuing the permits so he's got the authority to give authority to his followers okay he can delegate his followers, his believers, with authority to do his his work, which is establishing his kingdom on earth. Jesus is also the one who established the framework and the laws. So, at the council, they have to make up the rules, don't they? They have to say, "Oh, you can only build the um, the kitchen this way, or have the house this high," all these sort of rules. He's, Jesus, is the one that establish the spiritual laws and the framework that that exist in this world and that govern this world he's also the one employing the builders so he's the one that's saying calling out people to work for him he's saying um, Paul come work for me, he's saying Elizabeth come work for me, Thomas, Andrew He's calling out people from this world to be his builders and establish and build and partner with him in what he's building. It says in Ephesians, we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus unto good works. Jesus is also the one who created the materials that are used for the building, if you like. So everything you see in this universe was created by Jesus. He created the wood, the stone, etc. He's also in charge of the whole process. So he's overseeing it all. So he's like the project manager. Um, And we, his followers, we're carrying out the work of the Lord on the earth for this period of time. We're doing the work of the Lord. And we've been delegated the authority to do his work by being sealed with the holy spirit so when we go out and we're doing the work of god we've been given the permit to do that we're given the approval to do that because we've been sealed with the spirit of god the same spirit that dwelt upon jesus so it's all pretty cool how it all works and uh... i think it's great now how does that all relate to this story well let's consider another example you're building a house um, with some fellow believers let's just say you've got your best your christian brother and sister alongside you you're building the house you're doing the work of the lord and then a bunch of young children or young kids come onto your building site and they start to abuse you start to annoy you and start to Bother you and they start pinching your tools. Okay, so in this situation, what do you think would be an appropriate response from you as a builder or your brother and sister who's also a builder? Any thoughts? No thoughts? Yeah, well, I was gonna be a bit more blunt than that. I'd say, get out, get off here. You know, you have no, no authority to be on this building site. You know, like it's, they're trespassing. They're not allowed on the building side, and they're not allowed to steal from you. And that is exactly what is happening when evil spirits come on to the property of God, <laughs> come in to, and interfere with the kingdom of God. That is what is going on here. Okay, so... Why do you think Jesus was so blunt when he spoke to evil spirits? Why was he so direct? Why did he speak with such authority? Because he, he had authority to do that and he was separating good from evil. Okay. So we can learn a lot from how Jesus engaged with the, the, the unclean spirits in how we should engage with them as well. We need not fear them. That's really important. We don't shouldn't be intimidated or feared. What if we see a manifestation or something going on? Um, then we should just give these things their eviction notice, as Jesus did. You know, get out, get off, go. Um, we don't have to, uh, yeah, be afraid. Um, and ultimately, why do we want? Why do we want to see deliverance? Why in? Uh, why do we want to see people free from the influence of the demonic? The main, well, firstly, Jesus is very interested in healing for our soul, and and demons work in and operate in the area of our soul, and so if we're free from anxiety, if we're free from fear, if we're free from depression, if we're free from any sort of issue of the soul, then we are much more likely to be effective for the kingdom of God. As an example before, if you're a builder and you don't have the tools, how, you can't as effectively build without your tools. And if your tools are stolen from you, if you're, or if you don't know how to use them, then you're not going to be as effective. Okay? So being free is good and this is what Jesus wants for us okay Um, let's move on to the second story Jesus cleanses a leper so um, just a bit of background leprosy was a catch-all term basically for any sort of a disease that affected the skin Um, people who had leprosy in the Bible when, when the Bible was um, written in, in that time they were considered like the lowest of the low in society they faced rejection and were effectively beggars so they were basically living from other people's <coughs> generosity and in Jesus culture the rabbis or the religious leaders they were forbidden from touching people because they were considered unclean under the law of Moses. So leprous people was considered unclean. When Jesus um, was walking the earth he had a growing reputation as a leader and to the people of the time it would have been quite shocking to see him approach this leprous man and actually touch him. It would have been very shocking for all the religious leaders to see that. What I want to focus on now is the posture of the leper. And I think we can learn a lot from this, his position and posture. What did he do when he came, approached Jesus? He came, he implored, in other words he begged, and he knelt, which is a sign of humility. He was unashamedly desperate and needy. There was no holding back, there was no... Um, you know, he was just real with Jesus in how he approached him. We read in the Psalms that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. It also says in Scripture that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Uh, we can be sure that if we approach Jesus the same way as this leper did, the same posture, that we will receive his grace and Jesus will draw near to us and reach out and touch us in our need. Now, let's talk about leprosy in a bit more of a wider context. Leprosy is a graphic illustration of sins, corrupting influence, on people and is a reminder of the debilitating effect of sin in a person's life the Israelites were given very specific instructions on how to deal with leprosy and other skin diseases and you can read about these if you're taking notes in Leviticus chapter 13 there's basically six or seven types of skin disease and they're all treated the same way in sort of how they were meant to deal with them the children of Israel I'm just quoting here from Leviticus The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease He is unclean. He shall live alone His dwelling shall be outside the camp So the leper was considered utterly unclean Incurable by man many believe that God inflicted the curse of leprosy upon people for the sins they committed and as I mentioned earlier they were despised, they loathed and they had to live in a basically a community with their own people There were 61 defilements of ancient Jewish laws and leprosy was second only to touching a dead body in seriousness So Under the law having leprosy meant separation from those who were clean and what what we can learn from this is that the type, the analogy that leprosy has with sin so sin defiles a man sin makes us unclean in the sight of God and in the same way When a person is in sin, they are separated from God. They are outside of his presence. What is so amazing about this particular passage is that we see God in Jesus, the Son of God, approaching a leper, someone who is unclean, having compassion on him and touching him. And that is a wonderful illustration of God's grace, of God's love, and His mercy. That He would come to us, mankind, in our sin, come from heaven to earth, live as a man, and then reach out and touch us, take upon our sin, our defilement, our uncleanness, and carry that burden and take it to the cross, all the way to the cross. He took our punishment, which was incredible, that he would take our punishment and he would bear that. And he would bear all the consequences of our uncleanness as well, which was rejection from everyone. Even his closest followers rejected him. He was... Crucified outside the camp. He was crucified outside the city walls. So we see here that Jesus is our healer. Jesus heals the unclean. He's willing to heal the unclean. He said, I am willing. And so we have no surer example that Jesus is willing, that he would touch a leprous man and he will touch you if you are desiring to be clean, if you are in, you know, in sin today, if you, if you call out to Jesus and you put your faith in him, you put your faith in him, then you can be made clean and know that you are right with God and you can have your spirit renewed, be made clean, And be accepted by him and be in his presence for eternity that is the promise we have as believers let's go to the third story jesus forgives and heals a paralytic so what we see through all these stories is a consistent theme and that is the works of jesus drew people to him he healed the sick he cast out demons he preached the gospel and we see people were just flocking to him. They were just drawn to him, and word spread like wildflower. Wild fa- flyer, sorry, wildflower. That's interesting. Um, and that you know, there was no social media. There was no uh, radio. There was no TV. It was all word of mouth. Like it was just. It's just, I just would like to be on the street witnessing the, the testimonies being shared and the excitement, the fervour, the passion that people would have had seeing Jesus do these miracles and works. You know, And what struck me is that when, when people heard he was in town, immediately they forsook everything and went to see him. They would have said, oh, Jesus is in this address, and then poof, people just flocked to him. And I think, you know, we can't underestimate the power of testimony. The power of testimony and, and sharing testimonies is, is powerful. And I think, you know, we can, we, can, we can see that it obviously had a powerful impact then and it can still have a powerful impact today. So share your testimony, share others' testimonies and, and um, get people drawn to Jesus. The other thing I want to draw out from this story is this sick man, this paralytic man. He was paralysed and he was totally dependent on these four men who were carrying him, right? Four men. And we don't know, you know, was it the paralytic man who wanted to see Jesus? Was it the four men or was it both of them? We don't know. But we do know that he he was dependent on those four men to get him in front of Jesus. Now, when they got there, they saw the crowd and they thought, how are we going to get this guy in front of Jesus? Like there's a big crowd around this house. There's no way to get through. And I just I just love, you know, their boldness. <laughs> you, you know, they went on top of the roof. Like they already carried this guy on top of the roof and they open up, they basically like pull apart the roof to get the guy in, you know, to lower him through the roof. What a way, what faith for starters. And then what a way to get Jesus' attention. <laughs> you know, Jesus is here ministering and teaching and then all of a sudden the roof opens up and this guy is being lowered down. And I, I love how Jesus instantly says, <laughs> you know, even as he's being lowered down, he says, what does he say? Um, oh, I can't find it here. Um, yeah, Jesus saw their faith and he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven you. So it was like, Jesus instantly, like, just said, "You're you're forgiven." (laughs) It was just, oh, it's a great story. Um, But what can we learn from this? You know, our friends. You know, our faith shouldn't be in those around us. You know, we have wonderful brothers and sisters in the faith. You know, we should value them, treasure them, pray for them, thank, be thankful to God for them. But our faith is not in them. Our faith is in Jesus Christ alone. But in saying that, this story highlights how fa- valuable our brothers and sisters can be in helping us position to receive from God. You know, that encouragement you give, that counsel you give, that prayer you, you give for another brother or sister in their time of need, How, what a blessing that can be for them. You know, just, you know, what a blessing it would have been for those four men carrying that paralytic to see him healed you know they, they were they were partners with that they, they they would have been just as blessed I'm sure in, in and in a sense it's like how can when we're looking around and how can we figuratively help carry others to the feet of Jesus not literally but figuratively carry them and yeah, it's, it's just good. Now, final thing I want to say is that uh, before we sum up, um, after receiving instructions to get up, to take up his bed and go to his house by Jesus, this paralytic man, he could have decided not to act. He could have decided, I'm overwhelmed. I'm not sure I believe what Jesus is saying. He could have had fear, he could have been intimidated by the big crowd. However, he chose to believe the word and he acted on it and he was healed. So, and also, and we see and see that sometimes we have to. Activate our faith. It, you know, um, it says in James, I think that uh, show. I'll show you my faith by my works. You know, be not doers of the hear- word, but do be not just hearers of the word, but doers al- also. You know, so doing, acting on what the instruction of God. And if we're praying for people, then I encourage you, ask them to do something they couldn't do before. So if they've got a sore arm or if they've got a sore leg or, you know, whatever it is, ask them to to activate their faith, do what they couldn't do. And in doing that, your faith, their faith is working and God works through both of you. And we see a lot of examples in scripture where Jesus um, asked them to do something that they couldn't do. Um, just finally, a testimony of, of healing. Um, a couple of months ago, I was at work. A lady comes in. She's got a sore wrist, um, sore fingers. She fell over, I think, hurt herself quite badly. And I knew this and was praying during the week before in the lead up to meeting with her, this client that I would be able to pray for her and pray for her healing. And at the end of the meeting I had with her, I offered to pray for her, her hand and her, her uh, fingers. And um, she said, okay, sure. And so I prayed, put my hand on her and prayed for, this, for her hand. And I asked her to move it and she tried moving it. And she's like, Ugh. she couldn't really do much. And I said, can I pray again? And so I prayed again. So I prayed again in Jesus' name, wrist, fingers be healed, pain leave. And then asked her to move it a second time. And then she could start moving her fingers and she's like, wow, I couldn't do that. That's amazing. And I just watched her as she just, um, she took it in. Because it was, it was amazing to her. She, had never, she didn't expect it. <laughs> Um, and then I said can I just share with you what's happening and can I share with you the good news of Jesus and it just opened up an opportunity to share with her the gospel and so yeah again that's an example of asking someone to activate their faith and and put it into action and do something they couldn't do and again Jesus i guess to summarize jesus is interested in our bodies he's interested in our souls he's interested in us being well he's willing to heal us you know i think if anything from this whole passage that we've just gone through it demonstrates it shows that jesus wants us well um first and foremost he wants our spirits to be whole and for us to be clean in our spirit absolutely like there's no point living for 100 years, dying in perfect health and then going to hell. That's, we don't want that for anyone but he still wants you well and I, I believe that, I do. And we could say a lot more about that but we don't have time. But I just want to sum up and just say that we've been given power and authority by Jesus to do the works that he did. A humble dependence on God draws Jesus near, as we saw with the leper. And finally, that we should really value and treasure our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and also be the person who's willing to carry the, someone in need, carry them to the feet of Jesus and lay them at the feet of Jesus because there's always going to be a time that we're in need and then some and in a time when we can be a help to others in need. So let's just pray. Father, thank you for these passages that we've read, the encouragement we get from learning about Jesus and his life and the people that interacted with him with him, the people that believed on him. Thank you for these uh, stories. I pray, Lord, that we would meditate on them, that we would learn from them, and that your spirit would help us to do the same works, Jesus, that you did and be a light in this world. In Jesus' name.